Hey, welcome to the Unchurched Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Sean, discuss issues of church, life, and religion. No subject is off limits, and our honesty and humor drives our discussion. We welcome you to sit in on the conversation and laugh with us as we challenge serious things. So pour your drink, kick your feet up, and let's get started with the show. We're live. Sean Dizzle. Mikey Hizzle. That's what I do, bro. Wow. That's what I do. What it is. Dude, co-chilling like a villain up in this mug, brah. Yeah, so first off, how was your father's day? Well, as a non-father, it was pretty good. Yeah. Didn't do too much of anything. We, uh, we, we did, though. We cooked out with, uh. Brooke's parents, they came over, and uh, sister-in-law came over. The uh, brother-in-law had to work, so he wasn't able to make it. But, yeah, man, they came over to the casa, and I grilled out. And Sweet. It was, uh, it was a good time. How about you, man? You're a, you're a father, so what did you guys do? Anything crazy? Yeah, uh, I am a father of a 10-year-old genius, awesome boy. Um. My little roll dog picked him up on Friday early, and uh, we got home, and I'm not sure we really did anything on Friday, but just hung out. Um, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we just hung out on Friday around the house. Uh, nothing serious. Uh, but Saturday morning, we, uh, along with my wife, we uh, we took my parents out to breakfast to the pancake house. Ooh, nice. Know that place? You remember that place? Yeah, dude. That was uh, a mutual friend of ours. That was his favorite, one of his favorite places to eat. Yeah. And they always go there on his birthday. Nice. So, yeah, dude. They got some so, good food. It's awesome food. So, I um, I had the bacon pancakes. It was absolutely out of this world. Mm. Uh, that being said, dude, the place has actually gone downhill quite a bit. It's not as really? nice as it used to be. Yeah. Which which yeah. one did you go to? The one by the house. Gotcha. On Mac, Girls Point. Um, you know, the problem is we got there about 8.30, you know, uh, close to 9 o'clock. And um, they had been open. They opened up at like 6 a.m. or something like that. But, yeah. dude, the place was smoky. Like, you can literally see the smoke coming out of the kitchen. I don't know what the heck was going on. Huh. But... The place reeked of bacon grease. Oh, that sucks. Which is not a good smell. You know, no. my, my wife complains about it when I make bacon in the in the morning. We'll leave the house and do something and then come back in the afternoon and it's still full of, you know. Yeah, that's an still old smells smell. like bacon. Yeah. Um, but we did that and then uh, Saturday afternoon, my sister barbecued at my parents house and uh we had a blast there then on sunday we took the wife's parents out or they took us out um we all went out for his birthday and the funny thing both our fathers their birthdays are in june Mm -hmm. um and both of them you know within a week or so of father's day so we kind of like celebrate both at the same time so huh. we went to so Salvador Scalapini's. 
We went to Salvador Scalapini's on Sunday for her dad. And um, we affectionately call Salvador uh, Scalapini's. We call it Salbonos. <laughs> nice. So Jenna's like, yeah, we're going to Salbonos for uh, for lunch. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, we love Sal. So Italiano. Um, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Sal Bono. Uh, I've never been there. Is it good? I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, and of course clearly can... Italian. Yeah, clearly. Um, so we did that. That was cool. Um, and a couple other people showed up. Micah was there, and we all had a good time. Um, and then uh, we went to my aunt and uncle's house, who are like my parents' parents. My sister called them grandparents, granddad and grandma, but I refuse to call them that because they're my aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm just a little bit older and just like, whatever, they're still my aunt and uncle. I don't care how old they get. <laughs> I don't care if my mom and dad <laughs> call them call them mom and dad. You know, my dad would kiss her and say, how you doing, mama? You know, and that's real sweet and all, but they're still my aunt and uncle. Well, sure. So we, we, we literally... My cousin barbecued on Sunday for them, and uh, me, the wife, and the kid, we went down, and we played cards all night, and it was a blast. Nice. So, um, I didn't really get a Father's Day. I get Father's Day gifts, and uh, I think it's a common thing that a lot of men can, can relate to when they become fathers, and their fathers are still alive, or their grandfathers are, are still alive, or they're married, and... You know, the father-in-law is still alive. You you kind of got to celebrate everybody else and uh, take what you can get on Father's yeah. Day. So, a little um, father seniority. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Seniority. You got it. So, um, Micah was, it was a very, very brutally hot weekend. I don't know how it was down there in Illinois, but. Dude, it's like Florida here. It's insane. Yeah. So we were hitting uh, triple digits. So my truck said 100 degrees. So I love the summer. It was very, very hot. And uh, I felt bad for my sister barbecuing. I felt bad for my cousin barbecuing in the heat. Uh, But we enjoyed ourselves. It was good. But Mm -hmm. uh, Micah kept wanting to go to the pool. So Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, uh, even though we were celebrating our dads, we, uh, in the morning early afternoon we were still at the pool hanging out there so it was good man it was good we had a good time i got a i got a t-shirt that said best dad ever (laughs) of course i rock that i rock that at the pool as well you should (laughs) so with all the other dads uh, who have the same shirt i'm sure but they're not the best dad ever i am (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they're posers every every dad is the best dad ever to their kids someone hopefully. should make that so, shirt yeah seriously you're not the best dad because i am <laughs> my kid thinks i am and that's all that matters that's what the shirts to say i'm go. the best dad ever my kid believes it and that's all that matters so i don't know man we had a good time it was fun good yeah it was fun i can't complain I got the world's best kid. I say that all the time. He's the sweetest kid in the world. He is, man. I've only been around him a little bit, but yeah, 
He's a cool, cool young man. Yeah. We watched a lot of soccer this past weekend. The World Cup is going on, you know? Yeah, I do know. I haven't watched any of it, though. Really? We don't have cable. No. However, I have no excuse because we do have uh, a Fire Stick and Hulu and Netflix and everything else, you know? But I don't know. I just haven't. Usually I keep an eye on it and kind of interested. And I mean, I used to work at Adidas or Adidas, as it should be said, but we Americanize it and call it Adidas. Adidas. But uh, yeah, man, I, I usually like had to keep up with it. <laughs> sure. And uh, I haven't kept up with, with the football this year. So I mean, what's going on? Give me a little snapshot. Um, to be honest with you, I don't follow it. I enjoy watching it. But I know zero players. Oh, gotcha. And my son knows them all because he plays the game. He plays mm-hmm. uh, FIFA on uh, PlayStation 4. Nice. So uh, every morning, Saturday morning, Sunday, Monday, you know, he's waking up early just to watch uh, football. And uh, me trying to connect to him, connect with him, it's like, hey, buddy, what's going on? And he's like, oh, Massey just scored. and Or Massey just tried to score. And I'm like, who the hell is Massey? <laughs> <laughs> the room's not messy. What are you talking about, son? <laughs> so it was funny. So I, I, I go into work Monday, uh, Tuesday. I didn't go on Monday. I, I took Monday off so I can spend it with Micah. But Tuesday I went in and um, somebody had my seat. We've got this open floor concept where... Uh, we have uh, sections of tables that we sit at by commodity. So you've got like HVAC at one set of tables. You got body group at one set of tables and analysis at one table and chassis at a different table, all this stuff, right? So I walk into our area and it's not a lot of seats um, that are taken, but my normal seat that I like to get in, you know, because I get in pretty early. Mm-hmm. Somebody had already set up shop and put their stuff there. So I was like, ah, shit, you know. But so I, I went to one of my old spots that I that I used to sit at that nobody ever sits in. I sit there and I turn to my right and there's a TV on the wall. It's about 100 yards away. It's a big TV, though. It's like a 55-inch TV on the wall. And they had the game on. It was like, cool, I can sit here. You know, it's not that bad, right? Somebody took my spot, but it's not that bad. I get a, a clear shot of the TV. And I never watched a, a freaking second of the game. <laughs> so oh, I thought you were going to say you got no work done that day. No, I got a <laughs> crap ton of work that day. I had meetings all day long and never got a chance to sit and watch the TV. So it was mm-hmm. like I would get up to grab coffee and um, stand in front of the TV for a couple seconds and then go back to my desk and try to pay attention to work. So mm. I don't know anything about soccer. I was trying to get my son to teach me. I'm like, you know, dude, the game is ending one, one. Who's the winner? <laughs> like who moves on, who advances? And, and apparently, so I've, I've got this guy on my team who's from Brazil. And of course in Brazil, oh, it's, or that's anywhere, dude, anywhere in central or South America, that's all there is, is soccer. So he was no, like, no, it's football, football. I'm sorry. Football. Dumb American. So, <laughs> so, 
So I said, dude, my son tried to explain it to me. I didn't get it. He's 10 and he can't communicate himself very well. And I don't really know what the heck is going on. I bet he I got said, a booty, does... though. <laughs> I said, how do you how do you score one one? And declare a winner. He said, oh, it's no winners or losers in the first three, you know, rounds. It's like after the third round or, or in the third round and, and on where, you know, you either got to win or lose. Because what happens is if at the end of the 90 minutes or whatever extra time is there, if it's nil-nil because nobody says zero-zero because we're dumb Americans we say zero zero, but everybody else in the world says nil nil. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do is they they do uh, kind of like a face off. So you got one player against the goalie, and you try to score. And whoever ends up with the highest score after all of those single competitions actually wins the game. So that's something I didn't know. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I learned something. Yeah, it's a crazy sport that a lot yeah. of the world is super into, and we're just like, call it a different name and then go crazy over football. <laughs> like American sure. football. <laughs> American football, which they have no reason to call it football other than we're lame and couldn't figure out a different name for 11 guys on the field. Per team smashing each other with their helmets. Should be called Smash Ball. I'd go for that. I, I would. Know. Smash Ball. So, anyway, yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> but you had a great idea of something to talk about tonight, and that was uh, the church and uh, your generational theory. And I really want to get into that because you actually talked about that on your other podcast. Can I say that? You can. Uh, it's, I mean, it's still up. I just, the whole vision for the thing, it's, you know, excuse after excuse. Basically, I just stopped doing it because I couldn't. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, yeah, there's, I'm pretty sure it's still up. On SoundCloud and iTunes, I mean, people can go it listen is. to it. But I'm subscribed. <clears throat> I still have it in my queue. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, but yeah, basically, I came up with uh, a generational theory on millennials that is not just about millennials. It's about pretty much, uh, I would say, three generations. Like the span of three different generations leading to the millennials. Yes. And then I parallel that with the church and try to maybe understand clearly or at least ask questions as to why the church is still operating three generations in the past, expecting millennials to, you know, uh, attend their gatherings and be a part of their services and all of that yes and i still think it it holds true and i mean i i still believe that i have some truth in there personally i mean it's not like anything that's you know revolutionary it's just just a conversation that 
uh, I think we're gonna continue to have for several years. <laughs> for sure. I, agree, I know. I agree with you 100%. So, well, let's get into it. Let's go ahead and start with your theory. Right. So, and then let's well, talk about it. In a it. nutshell, I don't want to spend too much time up front trying to go over the whole thing, but basically, we have. Sure. So, I'm technically a millennial, even though, and it honestly sort of pains me to say that just by. The year I was born, I'm, you know, in the millennial. However, I don't act or think too much like a millennial. Um, <laughs> but I'm more of a Gen Xer. Uh, or Gen Xer, I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, so we have millennials, and then we have the baby boomers, and then we have their grandparents who... Uh, it escapes me right now what what their generation was called, but it it's basically you know we start uh, with I mean my parents like they went to college and they opened credit and they bought stuff that was mass produced and they lived in a age where consumerism uh, was pretty much at a full swing even though the generation before it was brand new and so like we find ourselves exploring you know millennials we have it so easy but yet we have a hunger to know like where things came from or why we do the things we do yeah. or you know uh how did we get here? Like, what happened before us? And how do we carry, like, because that's going to mold and shape and help make our legacy, you know, going forward. And then we have my parents' generation who don't really care too much about any of that. They're caught up in, you know, the the shopping and the lines of credit and getting a good job so that you can have kids and live the American dream and set your kids up for success. And then you can retire at age 60 and go yachting or fishing or shopping or cooking or whatever you want to do. And there you go. Your life is done. You've done your duty. Then we have sure. my grandparents' generation. So two generations ago where they we're still churning butter and had to walk to school and cars were completely different and cell phones weren't a thing and TVs were just getting to be a commercial item. And most people right. that had a little bit of extra money had the TVs and movies were a thing. And just there's this span of like, you know, convenience was starting to, uh, become a thing for us like let's not you know churn the butter yeah. maybe there's a new way we can make this machine technology is growing and sure. but i feel like you know i sit down and i talk with my grandparents and they have value to things that my parents don't really find or have value for you know so yeah. like yeah. this table that i'm sitting at right now i made from my hands and from wood and stuff that i have you know, whereas my mom yeah. is sitting at a table that costs triple the amount, is way worse quality, 
but is in you know factory box stores and when it breaks you go buy a new one but when my table breaks i fix it or i build a new one and that kind of is more like my grandparents generation you know it is it is it's almost like a cycle yeah and it's it's interesting to me that like the millennial age has yes okay bring on all the the shitty things sure we stub our nose in the air and we talk however we want to talk and you know we protest everything and challenge everything and i'm not saying all that's good but i am saying that there's there's a part of this generation the millennial generation that is hungry for truth and whether they go about it the right way or not that's the whole reason like we're we're millennials we want to know things we want to have value in things that's why the hipster movement is such a thing where like everyone's going to the old school haircuts and they want to know how to make it old-fashioned and they want to know how to make their own table and you know shabby chic country like weird just whatever you can make old school stuff is like a thing in decor and the old text is coming back, you know, from like newspaper days and like, sure, we have technology that we have never had and that's awesome, but we also have a hunger for like, why did my grandparents seem way more content than my parents do? Okay, so that's the whole thing, which was kind of long, but whatever. So now we take that into church culture and American uh, Christian society, and I honestly think it's the same thing. So we have millennials who are questioning everything. We have a hunger for truth. We want to know what's coming, and we want to know that we're the ones making this, this next Christian chapter in our era. We're the ones doing it. And I don't believe in televangelists. I don't think that saying fuck sends me to hell. I don't think if I go out and have a drink that I'm going to burn. You know, I don't think that I have to go to this building and give this guy and this group my money for, for me to fit into the Christian sect, if you will. And then you go back, sure. and honestly, there's, there's a hunger, too, behind that that's like, I want to know God way deeper than I see that my parents know God because it seems stupid, shallow, and pointless. Like, you condemn right. everyone. You hate everyone that's not a Christian. You want your, your rights to be heard and to be had in society, but when it comes to other religion or other people, I mean, it's, it's almost Hitler-ish, to be honest with you. Like, it's, it's crazy <laughs> interesting. And then... Yeah. You go back to my grandparents, like the revival years, man, where it was like, you know, freaking, they were just hungry and they allowed the spirit to move and they went and preached and they went and prayed and they went and did stuff. And like, they were doers, like they built churches and they cultivated Christianity. And then at some point between their kids and us, it just became like the Old Testament priest slaughtering the cows just out of ritual, and there's no meaning, and it's just what we do, and God's, like, spitting it out of his mouth because he's like, this is disgusting to me. 
Like you say that you know me yeah. and you I don't know you. <laughs> and we have yeah. my generation that is saying, No, I I love Jesus. I understand the faith. I don't understand how the church can look so unlike Jesus and it be okay on such a vast scale in America. And that sure. is where I will open up the table. Yeah, that now that's a huge spread, bro, on the table. Um, so if I can backtrack a little bit and just define uh, this age range of millennials, there's a couple different, uh, depending on which website you look at, there's a couple different age ranges for, I know for me, I am, uh, I'll be 36 this year, and... You're a Gen X. Uh, so, I, like I said, it depends on which website you look at. I, I know when I was coming out of high school, when I was graduating high school, I was in 11th, 12th grade, um, they were calling us Gen Xers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure. Well, a few of the websites I did see, and this was about a year ago, so I'm sure it's changed even since then, but basically... If you were born in 84 and earlier, you're a Gen Xer in 85 and on, you're a millennial. That's, uh, yeah, I've but, seen the same thing. I mean, thing. you know, whatever. Yes. I've also seen anywhere between 1980 and born between 1980 and the decade to two decades after that. That's all considered millennials. I don't consider myself to be a millennial. I consider myself to be a Gen Xer, uh, which that generation started in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. I was born in 82. Um, so I, I think there might be some overlap of those generations, um, especially in the mindset and in the things that we value. I think there's some overlap there. Um, but nevertheless, I... I I generally agree uh, with with your with your theory. Um, I my grandmother is ninety years old. Yeah, you know my my dad, who was I think the he he is uh, like the eighth kid that was born out of ten, I believe, mm-hmm. or maybe he was the ninth. He might have been the ninth. I know there's there's ten kids. Uh, and eight girls, Turn two six boys. Upside down, it's a nine. <laughs> a little bit of Drake. A little bit of Drake. So, uh, I, my dad was either the eighth or ninth kid. I know he wasn't the youngest. Uh, he was born in 1960, so he he'll be 58 this year. Um, my mother was born in 64, so she'll be uh, 54 this year. Um. And so I know I'm not in the same generation as my parents. They're considered baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that time frame started around the early 50s. Or, you know, when the war was over is when the baby boomers started, technically, right? Um, when the Second World War was over, everybody came back. And well, not everybody, babies. but those that came back started having babies. So... um so after that, you know, you after the baby boomers, you had 
uh, Generation X, Y or X, however you want to say it, and then the Millennials after that. Uh, but some people lump in Generation X and um, and Millennials. Whatever, neither here nor there. Um, I agree with you, dude. There, there was a form of religion uh, for the baby boomers uh, that was completely different from their kids, right? So in the time of the baby boomers, there was a whole lot of revivals. There was a whole lot of street preaching going on. There was a lot of, uh, uh, there, there was, uh, there, there was, uh, the whole holiness movement and, uh, all of that stuff was going on. And I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, expert in church history, uh, as much as I would like to be. Uh, but I know that there were all these different movements when it came down to the church, all these different revivals, just like it's been for the last 200 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. That you can, I've got books on church history that 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 I've studied that that break down these different generations from the, like the past couple hundred years. Another good book, uh, one of the good books to read um, by Roberts Lairdon uh, is the is God's Generals that talks about you know it goes back a hundred years. These different uh, preachers that have come up in these different generations and. And what they did differently, what the, the the way that they talked differently concerning God, concerning the Bible, uh, but but keeping it with millennials, I, I think that one thing that that really distinguishes millennials from the other generations is um, is the the empowerment to question everything. Millennials will question every single thing there is concerning Christianity and the church. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a sense of uh, a wanting, a desire there uh, for discovery. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think millennials get a bad rap uh, majority of the time uh, because we still have a lot of Generation Xers, a lot of baby boomers that are still around that still are in leadership positions that feel that things should be done the way they've always been done mm-hmm. and um, millennials have the mindset that says, well, why do we have to always do it the way that it's always been done? I know the way my parents raised me and my sister was to, um, to, to, to be independent, to be independent thinkers, to challenge things that didn't necessarily, if I can use Christianese, for a second, if you'd allow me, may I? <laughs> as long as you don't get all CCM up in this mind, uh, I'm not going to get CCM. Um, if it doesn't agree with your spirit, then go ahead and challenge it. Yeah, go ahead and, and think about it and and question it. You know, I, I I preached a message some some years ago about the gospel and and about what truth is in in a spiritual sense. Uh, so you learn the Bible, you learn the written word, uh, what what they would call logos, right? The written word, mm-hmm. uh, and then you get Rama, which is which is uh, in in the Hebrew, it's considered the living word. It's the word that is the result of the spirit, the spirit of God that's spoken to us. Um, 
we all have a conscience that cannot be denied, right? You do something wrong, you can call it spirit, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Your conscience is going to say, eh, that may not be the right thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, so, so, and in my message, I said, you know, um, if we were talking about baptism, and I said to you, and this is just an example of whether or not it agrees with your spirit. The example was, if I said to you, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Apostle Paul. Like, if you're spiritually sensitive to the truth of the Bible, something inside of you should kind of cringe as soon as I say, and the Apostle Paul. Right? Because... In scripture, you don't see that. <laughs> you don't see anyone being baptized in the name of the Apostle Paul. Right. Right. For Pentecostals, uh, those who are not uh, traditional Catholic, if you will, if I said to you, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus and the Holy Mary, you would feel a certain way because it's not the way that you were taught. It's not the way that you were raised. It's not something that agrees with your spiritual understanding of what our religious truth is or what Christianity is, because that would be deifying the mother of Christ. That wouldn't agree with your spirit, with your mindset of what, uh, or your conscience of, of concerning what you believe the Bible to be. Um, we're not Catholics, by the way. So, I mean, how about we set this, <laughs> set the record straight. We're not Catholics at all. So, uh, though I, I personally uh, can appreciate the, the Catholic Church and what they do and a lot of their teachings and a lot of their, um, you know, a lot of the, the overall Christian understanding of the Holy Spirit comes from the catechism that is taught by the Catholic Church. And that's just flat out truth. Like a lot of the history comes from that. So not knocking the Catholic Church, but... There's obviously a difference in some of the belief systems between a Pentecostal Christian and a Catholic Christian. So um, a millennial would be the one that will step up and start questioning that before, in my opinion, a baby boomer or even a Gen Xer in some cases, um, because it's like the, the question why, air quotes, why is still out there. It's like, why do I have to go to this building mm -hmm. in order to worship God? Why do I have to pray for a certain amount of time each day in order to be considered a mature Christian? Why do I have to know this or why do I have to believe that in order to be considered a mature Christian mm -hmm. or, or even a Christian for that matter? So there are a lot of things that have been taught in the Christian church that are just like, it's so westernized. My wife and I were just talking about this. There, there's so many things that are just so westernized in our, in our thinking that we forget the fact that the Bible is actually a Jewish book. It's a lot of it has to do with Jewish history. I think we touched on this before. If not on this podcast, we've had conversations about it over the fire. For sure. All right, pardon this quick interruption, but we did want to tell you where you can go find my generational theory on millennials, the article we referenced earlier in the episode. So if you go to p27podcast.wordpress.com, and that's p, the number two, the number seven, podcast, 
Head on over there. You can find the article and some other content for you to peruse at your discretion. All right, let's get back into it. We don't think the way that the Bible is written, and therefore what we condemn becomes more cultural than it does biblical. Mm-hmm. And I find that millennials will be the first ones to question that shit and say, hold on, wait a second. Where exactly is that written in scripture that says that this is not allowed? You know what I'm saying? And and, and so for me, that's where I can appreciate the millennials. Yeah. I, I married a millennial. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm at the tail end of the Gen X. But I'm... <laughs> Hey, I'm lucky. I married a woman that's six years younger than me, so she's a millennial. Well, and I mean, I'm a millennial, and I even I admit, like, there's something about probably our delivery, maybe. Uh, again, on a whole, you know, I'm not talking about individuals here, but even myself, you know, my delivery sometimes is probably a little juvenile, and it's sure. it's, you know, mostly because I have the Again, the hunger for, like, truth and, like, okay, you say that it's this way, but tell me why. Show me why. And then I'll believe it. I'm not just going to take you at your word. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Grandpa. Sorry, Pastor. Sorry, Billy Graham. If you can show me and teach me and, like, take me through to this thing that I can, like, you know, like, you can not prove it, but, like, at least give evidence for which is the same thing as proving, yeah. so just null and voided yeah, my own thing. Is. But you know, did, are you like? Is, does that make sense? What I'm trying to communicate, even though I'm doing it horribly. Yeah. No, no, no. You're doing a good job, but is is that a bad thing? I or is that? I think uh, it can uh, be let's, viewed let's, as a bad thing by sure older generations, just because it's like, well, these young little brats, like they don't question the pastor. You know, or like they don't question authority. They're just unschooled but what is that, and you though? don't know. And it's like, well, okay, but excuse the brassness of it. But like the real crime seems to be, why are you believing something that you can't speak to at all? You cannot sit down sure. and say, this is why I believe this. I mean, aren't you the one who should be called out? And I think that's yeah, so, what the so are thing there is. two? So so would you say then that there are like two different schools of thought when it comes down to this? Like there's a huge gap then between the millennials and the baby boomers. And that is part of the issue of contention. Yes. Between the two belief systems. Yes. And I think it's <clears throat> it's kind of like we're just we're trying to figure it out, you know. Because, again, we've had a generation where, like my parents, they just, they kind of just went with the flow, and it was easy to do what their parents told them to do. So if you were raised in the church, my it, like my parents, so my mom was, I mean, a, a pastor's kid, for Christ's sake. So, like, she literally was just told to believe a certain way. And to think this way, and this is what the Bible says, and went to Sunday school where they had the, I don't know how it was in your church, but we, like, we were all, like, super white, so it was like, you know, (laughs) 
the, the oh, little, yeah, so was my the church. Little, uh, <laughs> Bible books that told the story of Jesus' death, and it's like, you know, this white guy with perfect hair, and, you know, sandals and this beautiful cloth thing, and had one little drip coming down from his forehead. And I feel like that's the level of most, like, faiths from, did I say that right? Faiths from, uh, from yeah. the, the, my parents' generation, where it's like, you can't, you can't really believe as an adult that Jesus wasn't fucking brutally murdered. Well, yeah. we don't want to think about that. Well, you should fucking right. think about it. I mean, it's your salvation on the line. Yeah. Quite literally. Like, this, we're not playing around here. Like, Paul was not playing right. around. The devil, he ain't playing around neither. Yeah. So, so I feel like there's this like I don't even know really how to put into words, but like my parent, like my parents' generation, kind of just believed what they were told, and they never thought for themselves, I guess, and never questioned like, well, you're telling me that this is the way it was, but I don't know. I kind of want to know for myself, and that's where we find the millennials that are saying, "Hey, listen, Jesus could have died on the cross." But I want to come to that conclusion. Really? No one's going to tell me to what I need to believe. Sure. And I feel like so that's it, closer. And I'm sorry I keep cutting you off, so I'm almost done. But no, I feel no, like that's I'm closer. I'm just trying to interject a question. I feel like that's closer to my grandparents' generation who did the hard work, who said, yes, you know what? I've questioned. I ran away from faith, and I came to know Jesus Christ is the only thing that I need to believe in and to trust in, even when things are shitty, he is my rock and my savior, and I need to tell people about it. And I pray that God will use yeah. me. And however you want to use me, God, let's do it. If you want to use Walmart parking lot, if you want to put me on TV, if you want to put me at a wrestling match or at a bar, <coughs> excuse me, then <laughs> wherever, let's do this thing. Then you have my parents who yeah. are like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, Jesus died because... That's what the Bible says. And then, you know, well, oh, oh, let's go buy a new microwave. Those are pretty cool looking. Yeah. I don't know. So would you say it's more um, in the previous generations, more of a blind faith and believing because that was just the culture and the thing to do versus millennials where we just... It's not blind faith. It has to be proven faith. It has to be something that's a little bit more substantial and experience-based. I mean, I don't feel comfortable coming out and saying 100% yes, that's what it is. Because okay. I also understand I'm not God, I'm not Jesus, and I'm not the devil. So I don't know a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> But it does seem like that just based off my real, my encounters and the relationships I've had with people of that generation. Sure. It seems super common and, you know, uh, characteristic of, you know, certain mindsets. Where, yeah. Yeah, again... And, and I'm not trying to pigeonhole you into saying... Sure. You know something definitive. Yeah. I, I I mean, granted, this is we're, we're 
I, I know that we're talking about a theory of millennials and generations and, and Christianity. Um, so I'm with you keep it as a, at a theory and not a proven fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you there. I it just, but the just, thing that doesn't really, I, I just can't, I don't know why it's such a struggle is, you know, I can't have certain conversations with my mom about things that I struggle with in faith because I mean, I know, I mean, and I've tried, and that's why I can say what I just did, (laughs) that it's not worth it, because every answer is going to be, well, that's just how it is. That's what we were always taught, and that's just the truth. But heaven forbid, the second that you say, well, what if that's not the truth, or what if it's not the only truth? Like, there's no room. I mean, there's no even wiggle room for mindset like that. So it's like, shut yeah. up, get in line, salute Hitler. And obviously, <laughs> obviously that's a joke because, you know. It's but it almost, I don't care it almost seems that, like, extreme. And then it's funny when, like, yeah. you know, yeah, and listen, listen, we're my, my freaking generation. We're dumb. Remember Occupy Boston and Occupy wherever? Like, come on. We're just sure. pussy-ass little motherfuckers who've never had to work a day in their life for anything, really. And we mm-hmm. think everything should be handed to us, and because we went to a four-year college, and we believed the lie that our parents told us that, you know, now that I'm out of college, I should have a seventy to $120,000 a year gig somewhere, and, you know, that's just life. Then you find out it's not, and you're like, well, what the fuck was all that for? So don't take your anger of, like, the lie that you believed from maybe people before you out on your economy, because I lived in Boston during Occupy Boston, and it was just stupid. And as a millennial, I was like, get your fucking ass off the lawn and go do something with your life. Ain't no one giving you nothing. Enter grandparents generation again you gotta work you want to eat you need to work you can't just say oh my mommy and daddy paid for this schooling and now you should give me a job okay like that's not the real world no it's not it's not but again that's not every millennial you know no it's not it is not and that's what I was going to say. Like, there's, there's, there, there, there are some limits here. I mean, the the fact is that we can't put just because you may have been born in a certain generation doesn't mean that you can be uh, thrown in the box and say this is where you are, right? Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, life is like a a waffle, right? People go into a whole bunch of different boxes, right? Uh, so. I've never heard that one. You can't before. just. Well, <laughs> well, I you know I I have a theory. Ooh, you know, there's a book I read some years ago. Well, no, 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 it's not relating oh. to this. But it, there's a book I read before that's called like Women Are Like Spaghetti and Men Are, Men are Like Waffles or something like that. The title, something like that. Mm-hmm. Women are spaghetti, men are waffles. Women, everything touches. All the sauce gets on everything. Yeah. Everything affects everything. You know, 
So you, you got to take a woman in her entire day, right? You, you can't just expect to just have everything compartmentalized because that's the way the men are, men in general. And, there, and there's always an 80-20 rule, right? So it's like maybe 80% of women are like spaghetti and 20% are like waffles and 80% of men are like waffles and 20% are like spaghetti. You know, there's some that are more emotional than logical and some that are more, you know, logical than emotional and, and, and so on and so forth. And so that's where I got that waffle comment from. You, you, you know, waffles, you know, old school ego waffles, Lego my ego. You, you put it in the toaster, you come on, you get all these squares. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not just one big square that you can put all millennials in. Um, there, people are different across the board. Um, there's a spectrum. We call it a spectrum for a reason because people fall on different ends of it, and some fall in the middle. Uh, the 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 fact is is that I I think that one thing that millennials have in common is that that whole challenge mentality and question mentality, and the fact is is that we have access to information. In this generation, like never before, like never before. And so I know in, in some of the evangelism that I've done, I've I've evangelized all over different places, different states, different cities, restaurants, bars, street corners. I've done a lot. I've done it all. I have flagged down cars. You know, I've, I've done a whole bunch of crazy stuff. In the name of evangelism, trying to preach the gospel. There are millennials that I've run into over the years that are just flat out and still in a question mode. They don't know if they want to be Christian or Buddhist or Muslim or follow Hare Krishna (laughs) or Mormons. They don't know what they want to do. There is a thought process that says that you, that millennials feel like they just know everything, and I don't necessarily agree with that concept. I would err more on the side of the desire to question everything to find out because they want to know everything. It's not that they do know everything. It's that they have a desire to know everything so that they can make the right decision. Well, and some of fact that's is, illusion is that... because we, I mean, honestly, I think we do think we know more than we do because we can Google anything and read the first one or two things that pops up and then have a 10 minute conversation and acts and yeah. sounds like maybe we think we know what we're talking about when we're in reality. It's like, you have yeah. no fucking clue what you're talking about. You're just reading a news article. True. And there are a lot of opinions that are formed after 10 minutes of reading than uh, than a generation before us that actually lived through stuff. Yeah. Well, and to and got a different through perspective. their right. journey. I mean, they can you know, it's just like seniority. I mean, you know, in, in the military, someone's green going into battle, you know, with a hard on trying to go kill everyone, and then you've got this seasoned vet who's like, "Kid, you have no fucking clue," because if you did. You wouldn't be running into that battle. You'd be scared shitless right. and you'd fucking run away because yeah. it's hell out there, you know? And that's yeah. kind of, I think, a, a nice depiction of most millennials, including myself, you know? I like it. 
I like it. I think I think that you know, when taking the whole, it's more of a balanced view. Um, but it, for me, there's nothing wrong with a generation of people that are questioning everything. Yeah, I think that through question, challenge happens and causes people to study harder and to evaluate themselves whether or not they truly believe what they believe. There's a there's a radio talk show host uh here in the Detroit area who's been on the radio for for over 30 years. He's he's worked in national news and blah 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 blah. One thing I respected about him, I, I think now he thinks he knows everything. <laughs> but one thing I respected about him when I actually listened to him is his opinion that nice his opinion that you don't truly know something until you challenge it mm-hmm. and and I think that uh, you know once you challenge your own belief system it, if you still believe it after all of your challenges then it's legitimate yeah you know Case in point, so I was having a conversation with somebody. I cannot remember who it was, or it was recent, but I don't remember who I was talking to. We were talking about the fact that, you know, so we have the Bible, and people in Christianity believe that the Bible is the be all end all, and they refuse to accept the reality that. The Bible, when you read it, leaves things that begs to be answered. Sure. Okay? You can just start from the beginning. And you say, okay, Adam and Eve had, according to scripture, two boys. Right? They had Cain and Abel. Initially. Right? Mm -hmm. Cain kills Abel. The Bible never talks about whether or not Abel had kids. <laughs> right? And even if it did, where did the kids come from? Because the Bible does not explicitly say the names of any daughters that Adam and Eve had. So if you look at that with a little bit of scrutiny, Begs, it begs to say one of two things. One, if Cain and Abel actually had kids, number one, was it incest because Adam and Eve also had daughters? Or two, and here's the one that really messes with me and messes with anybody that has any questions about the Bible. Number two is, Adam and Eve, maybe they were the first, but they weren't the only ones that got created. And maybe there were other people that were created outside of the garden that actually had kids that Cain and Abel were able to marry or marriage didn't exist back then. That's that's another thing that messes people up. We use Adam and Eve as the portrait for marriage, but they never got married. <laughs> Okay, there's no scriptural reference for them being married ever in the traditional sense of what we know today. Um, 
God had to create other people groups outside of the garden that had daughters that Cain and Abel were able to mate with. And let's say you don't want to accept that. Fine. You don't want to accept that. I'm just, I'm putting my millennial hat on and I'm questioning everything right now. The fact is, is that after Cain killed Abel, God marked Cain with a mark so that when he traveled the world, because he was banished from the garden and all of that stuff, Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, right? They're all kicked out of the garden. The scripture says that that mark was to protect Cain so that nobody else would kill him. Well, who, who were the, the other people? Who was the no one else? <laughs> who was the no one else? Who were the other people? Other people had to be created. Other than Adam and Eve. Otherwise, what was the purpose of the mark that was to be on Cain? What was the point of it if there were no other people around? Stuff like that, millennials question. And like I said, I consider myself to be a Gen Xer, but stuff like that messes me up. And I already told you, bro, I've got other problems with conflicts in the scriptures. (laughs) (laughs) You and that damn ark. Me and that damn ark. I've got a problem with the ark, bro. That thing was smaller than a football field. I have a problem with the ark. With every single animal coming in two by two. I have a problem mm-hmm. with it. I have a problem with Jonah. And that damn fish. I do. I've got a problem with it. Because every animal that walks this earth. That eats. Has acid in his stomach. That breaks down. People. Things. Flesh. Whatever it is that they eat. We have this wonderful miracle within our bodies. Called the digestive tract. How the heck did he survive for three days? I don't know. All I know is that if I eat some chicken, like I did before this podcast, I ate some chicken. You better believe that in three days, brother, that stuff is gone. (laughs) It's passing, brother. It's passing, man. It's passing. Yeah. It's going to pass. You know what I'm saying? So stuff like that. We question, and it's like, okay, why should we blindly believe it the way that it's been taught? Why should we? Just because it's written? Well, there's a whole lot of stuff that's written, okay? There's a whole lot of stuff that's old and ancient texts. There, there are texts that exist that exist before the Bible was written. Mm-hmm. You know? Are we to take that stuff into consideration as well? And I think that, so so to our larger point, a lot of the dogmatism, a lot of the dogma that's within the Christian church and the unwillingness to look outside of the Bible and to look outside of our four walls of thinking and our four walls of worship is very unattractive to people that are thinking. And I think that that is a huge reason why a lot of millennials are leaving the church today. A lot of people, period, not just millennials, are leaving the church today. The organized church as we see it today. And that's just me expounding upon your theory, but what do you think? I mean, I agree. I think at some point, you know, we can question and question, but at the end of the day, millennial or not, 
we we have to either believe or not believe now yeah. if we put our faith in god solely upon well i don't understand genesis and i don't understand the ark so maybe jesus dying isn't a thing okay well you got to answer that question <clears throat> for me it's personally not a deal breaker because as much as the former generation i feel like maybe has failed us in certain ways god's word is true no matter who says it or where it's said or how it's said or you know what i'm saying i do and he was revealed to me i had to question and at the end of the day i mean he found me before i found him but i did accept it and yeah. it's good to question and it's good to want to know origins and what is that really mean when they said that you know in genesis or <laughs> do we take the bible literal do we take some of it literal does the old testament even matter anymore because now we have the new testament i mean there's you know tons of stuff and we'll spend a lifetime trying to figure this stuff out and some of it we'll never figure out my big problem is let us question and if it seems like we're getting off a certain path, who fucking cares? Like, if God is God and you believe him to be who the Bible says he is, do you not trust him that, like, the truth will be found and people will come to know him? Like, God doesn't need you. Literally, the rocks will cry out. If right. no one else worships him, he does not need a single one of us. Literally. Which, again, I don't know why I didn't just wipe us all off right. the face of the planet and build people or things that just always worship him. I guess because he has that in heaven. I don't know. I'll never know. If I did know, I'd be him, and I'm not him. So I'm cool with that. But, like, we need to question, and at some point, we need to make a decision. And just because we're questioning doesn't mean that our, you know, we're not saved. Just means like, I want to know. And I don't think that God's shaking in his boots yeah. if I'm like, well, what does this mean? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, if he is, that's not a God I want to yeah. follow anyway. Yeah, so true. Dude, that's that's but good. The 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 exodus of millennials in church, at least in American culture, man, I feel like there's some weird sort of reformation going on, and I would like to think that the unchurched would become a thing because fuck the building, man. Fuck the money. You know what I'm saying? Like Screw all the the old farts are too warm. Oh, Dude. now they're too cold. Oh, we should do four fast and two slow. No, we should do three fast and five slow. No, we should just do old hymnals. No. Well, you know what? Betty, <laughs> she comes all the time and she ties every single week. And she said that if music's too loud. Are you fucking kidding me? 
if that's what you want to do, go do it. Yeah. But while you're doing that, do yourself a favor. And by yourself, I mean us a favor. Don't associate that with Christ. Because when I say I'm a Christian, I don't want people to think that. That is me. That I'm so caught up in a $54 million plane Dude. Or that I'm so caught up in how cold or warm it is in a freaking <laughs> building. Or, you know, like, dude, at the yeah. end of the fucking day, people die and they go to hell. Like, do you give a shit about that? Does that keep you up? Like, do you find yourself praying for people? Yeah. Do you find yourself saying, when someone cuts you off, this happened to me the other day, someone cut me off. And it pissed me off, and I went to go, fuck you. And as soon as I said, and I did, I said, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? And as soon as I did, I said, Jesus Christ, I am horrible. <laughs> like, how do I show grace, and why do I not have it for people? <laughs> there is something in me that needs to change. God, help me with that. Yeah. And that's genuine, and that's me being real. I did a bad thing or a wrong thing. I cursed someone. And then immediately I was like, man, I'm not being a good Christ follower. Like, shouldn't I, like, have grace for that? I mean, nothing really happened. It's a small, minute thing. Why am I so angry all of a sudden? We're, we're going to fail. But at the end of the day, like, do we want to love people? Do we want to see people come to Christ and... Does our relationship with Christ reflect that to others without me ever saying I'm a Christian? You know, that's something that's, uh, I think that's, that's not being taught effectively in a lot of American churches today. And, and it's something I've said before, you know, Jesus' concern was not about our perfect mm -hmm. life, but it was about discipleship and um, that we would follow him. And when you look at how he chose his, his initial 12, it was all about, hey, come follow me. Follow me, and I'll show you how to be fishers of men. Right? I'll show you how to win souls. I'll show you how to, if you really, really break it down in its most simple form. He said, follow me. And I'll show you the way to help other people follow me. And that's what discipleship is all about. And it doesn't matter if you're a millennial, a Gen Xer, a baby boner, boomer, not a boner, <laughs> <laughs> a baby boner. It doesn't matter if you're a baby, baby boner or a baby boomer. Uh, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you are a follower of Christ and that you help other people to follow Christ and that's what discipleship is all about. Jesus discipled the 12 that became apostles who discipled churches, uh, excuse me, and eventually nations of the world. You know, I, when I was in my early 20s, uh, I pastored a church along with a friend of mine who is a huge pastor in Pontiac right now. He's done amazing things in, in Pontiac, Michigan. But in prayer, we came up with a slogan uh, for our church, and I'm going to try to remember it here. Uh, basically, it said that we are a people 
who are influenced by Jesus Christ and our relationship with him affects people and that relationship affects families and then that relationship affects cities and then that relationship affects states, nations, and the world. Mm. In so many words. It wasn't that many words, but sure. it was more eloquently put. Um, and, the, and the fact is, is that in discipleship of people, that's our goal. The goal is to affect people in such a way that they go home and affect their family, their neighborhood, their city, their community, because that's what it's really about. It's really about affecting people for Jesus Christ. And like I said a couple podcasts ago, we have to be the light in the world. If we truly do believe the Bible, the first thing that he said in Scripture was, let there be light in Genesis. And there was light. And I think that first miracle uh, display of his power, display of his authority, and demonstration of his Godhead uh, overall was to declare light. And if we are to be like him in this world, we're called to be light. And bro, at the end of the day... That's satisfyingly deep. So satisfyingly deep. I don't care if you're a millennial, a baby boomer, a Gen X, or a Gen Y, or whatever you want to call yourself. There's too many people that are leaving the physical building of the church now for us not to begin to reevaluate our worship of God. And to reevaluate our the the way that we do things, our system of worship or our, our form of worship. It's not about the rules and the regulations. It's not about the doing. It's about the being. Yeah. Because Jesus didn't call us simply to do, but more to be. He came to reveal God as our Father, not as our dictator. And I'm a father. And I, and I know that there are a lot of fathers out there that would listen to this. Our goal is not as a father. The, this Western society teaches us to do, 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 do. To do, do. But at the end of the day, like Paul said, everything I've done, I counted as shit. I counted as dung. To do what? To win something. To win a prize. And that prize is for the high calling. The higher calling. Which is not to do. But to be. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day. it's, It's not about. Whether or not we did. It's really about. Whether or not we are. Are you a follower of Christ? Are you a son or a child of God. We believe that God has created everything. Every one of us are created by him, but he doesn't all call us children. We're not all called children of God. 
We're all called creation of God, but not, not necessarily children of God. The thing that causes us to be children of God, according to John chapter 1, 17, it, it's about what we do with the person of Christ. Do you accept him as uh, Lord and Savior? Do you accept him as, as God? Do you accept him as um, a friend, as a, as a person that uh, is our object of worship? Do you accept him for who he is? <laughs> you mean rub it off of me, dude. Because the only thing in my head is, uh, I'm a friend of God. <laughs> <laughs> he calls me friend. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I am so sorry, um, but and and I and I quoted that that verse wrong. It's it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not one seventeen. Um, one seventeen is is my other favorite verse. It's talking about Jesus being uh, the person of grace. You're just a liar. <laughs> You're just trying to be deceitful and bring us down and start confusion. You are the devil. <laughs> oh, I am not the devil. That's what the devil. At, at least say. I try. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm not trying to be the devil. That's for sure. Um, you know what I am. Uh, but the fact is, what. I am a friend of God. <laughs> uh, but it, it's the 12th verse. It's the 12th verse, not the 17th. And, and I'll read it here. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So I was a few verses off. It's actually verse 12, not, not verse 17. But, but the fact is, is that what, what gives us the power to become the children of God is the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. And if at the end of the day, we're going to believe the Bible as the word of God, then, you know, some things we, some things we will take at, at face value. As far as the, um, as far as the context of scripture and what Jesus has said is required for salvation. Uh, but as far as our form of doctrine or our form of religion or our form of worship, all this stuff, like you were saying, is it three songs of, of praise and two songs of worship? Or is it one song of worship and four songs of praise? Do we end on high praise? Or do we end, or do we end the, the worship part and, and reverent worship? All of that stuff is silly. You know, do we sing hymns? Do we use an organ? Do we use a piano? Are, are guitars acceptable in a worship service or are they banned? Stuff like that. All that kind of crazy stuff. We're going to question left and right uh, because the fact is that none of that has to do anything with the person of Christ. <laughs> but when it comes down to the person of Christ, man, we got to keep Jesus at the center of everything. Yeah. And, and then that's a, uh, that's another song. Jesus be the center of it all. Yeah. That's not CCM. That's some legit. Yeah, we, we're right getting there. into it now, bro. Yeah, we can get into that. <laughs> Bring right my hanky Israel. up, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Israel Holden right there, brother. Mm. He is anointed, boy. <laughs> so, anyway, 
Well, where can people find <laughs> us? We need to wrap this joker up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, we're at unchurchedpodcast.wordpress.com and on Twitter and Instagram at unchurchedpod. And uh, that's where we're at. Show. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud. As of today, I didn't know it was a thing, but we're now on Google Podcasts. So for all you Android listeners, hop over to Google Podcasts. You can find us, or better yet, go to our website, and uh, we have a link there for you to follow. Absolutely. Google be late to the game, bro. Hey, man, we just getting started, bro. We got a whole lot more to do, a whole lot more to talk about. Oh, so break in shop. We got some pipe dreams. We got some pipe dreams. We got some stuff in the pipe. So <laughs> we need to let our pipes <laughs> drain. <laughs> <laughs> Take that how you will. <laughs> yeah. To the pure, all things are pure. So if you're thinking dirty, that's your fault. All right. <laughs> that wraps it up. All right, brother. Till next time. Peace. Peace.